It's good to see you again on another episode of Continuing Conversations. Today, we're actually talking about, you know, one of the toughest things, I'm gonna speak from my heart about being a game master, is finding that right combination of players. Um, because, you know, over 30 years of gaming, I've, I've come across a lot of different personalities and I'm way more picky now, three decades in, before starting a game and letting someone into the, uh, game uh, than I used to be, you know, and, and a lot has to do is not only how good a game master I am and conscious I am of what they want out of a game, but like we shot in our session zero um, uh, podcast, which will be airing also that's available on continuing missions. Um, the players also have a kind of a responsibility um, in, in coming to the table to make sure everybody has fun. What have you found in your experience? Yeah, very similar, Michael. I think, um, it, it, we could probably do a whole episode on like the psychology of being a game master and building a campaign group and stuff. Right. Cause like, I think it, 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 I agree with everything you said, in addition to all of that, like you want the right mix of personalities in your game. Cause you want to have a good time, right? You don't want to have to necessarily deal with the troublemakers or the, or the people who are there who like are there just for the sake of being there and they have fun and play a game, right. They are just looking for something to do. But I think I've gotten picky over the years, too, because uh, and this might be a personal fault. I don't know yet. Uh, probably it is. But uh, like when I do a when I do a game, like I'm not into one shots. Right. I'm not into like a one and done kind of thing. I want a campaign I, or at least a season. Right. Because I've got I've got, you know, you're like me. We're, we're writers. We have never ending supply of story ideas coming to us. And the moment we get a group of characters and a group of players involved, then the synapses are firing even more. And like the, the ideas just never stop coming. And yep. so like when I'm putting a game group together, I want that game group to have some legs and some, some longevity expectations behind it. And that's why I get picky about the players I pick because I want it, I want people that I like who are going to, who I'm going to enjoy hanging out with, you know, two to three hours at a time, week after week after week, or, you know, month after month, whatever, however long it takes. Yep. Um, and you don't want, you know, certain types of people there, right? And I'm not being negative or anything. Well, it's just like there's some people that just don't work with yeah, the, and the, play, the mix, and, you know? Right. And the players have a right to choose their game master too and to, and Absolutely. to select their fellow players. So that's why we're going to focus today on chapter four of the player's guide, one of the newest releases from Modifius. Um, chapter four is called Engage, which is taken, of course, from Jean-Luc Picard's famous go to warp sign. And, yep. and so we're going to talk about how to be engaged in the game um, just to let everyone know uh, who we are. I'm Michael Dismuke. Um, I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. Um, had the opportunity to work on this book and some other uh, compendiums or some other mission briefs that, that have been released by Modifius. We're with Jim Johnson, who's the project manager for uh, Star Trek Adventures. And the reason we do this podcast is because sometimes, you know, reading isn't the first thing people want to do. They kind of want to hear what the book has to say. So we review the own book, the, the book, show the highlights and why it's really a treasure to have in your collection, especially in this case, if you're a first time player 
to Star Trek Adventures RPG, or if you're a seasoned player but want some tips and tricks about how to really ramp your game up to the next level. I'm going to start with an illustration on this one based off what you just said, Jim, too. It's like inviting your friends to karaoke and you have that friend who refuses to sing. Mm. Or the person who comes every time and they sing the exact same song. It's like, I don't want to hear Hotel California, the eight minute rendition for the 80th time since I've known you for 10 years. You know, sometimes you want an eclectic people who are willing to try stuff out, laugh at themselves, experiment, get a little dramatic. And yep. so RPG is my form of karaoke. Um, and so we're going to talk and break down chapter four and some of the highlights. Why don't you lead us off, Jim? All right. Yeah. So uh, I also want to emphasize that, uh, you know, even though I freelance for Modiphius and you do a lot of writing for Modiphius, we're not trying to sell you on the book. We're just trying to tell you what all the cool stuff is in here. Like, and we talked about this in the last video. I've heard some great comments about this book in terms of the fact that even if you're not playing Star Trek Adventures, maybe Star Trek Adventures as a game system doesn't work for you. Okay, that's cool. It's a big universe. There's so many RPG, like we're in a golden age of RPGs right now, right? There's so many options to play different games. If you want to just take all the ideas from this book and run a Star Trek game using whatever system you want, go ahead. Please don't, don't play the game system just because we're talking about it. It's like, it's the one I happen to love. I know you love it. Um, so I just don't want people to think, oh, you know, these are people who work for Modiphius. They're just trying to hammer us into, into submission to buy the stupid book. It's like, no, don't, you know, don't <laughs> just yeah. listen to the videos, read the, read the reviews, you know, check out the book online. And if you want to get it, and I would be thrilled to death if you got it. And if, if you don't, that's okay too. Cause it's a, I'm a big boy and it's a big world and it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, being, and being honest, I, I, I you know, I, I feel sorry sometimes for people who don't take the time to explore new avenues of art because this is an artistic form, just like I invite friends to karaoke, like I said, or um, doing improv. You know, if you ever have a chance and your friends say, hey, come do an improv class with us. It's it's just a new way to express yourself. And I can't talk about how I can't express enough about how RPG has helped me understand other people sociologically mm -hmm. and to form some really good friendships and to learn sensitivity and empathy about different ideas, too. So so when we talk about playing this game, this is just one avenue for creative outlet. Mm -hmm. um, and and as in preparing for a game, if it happens to be Star Trek Adventures, the chapter we're talking about now actually talks about that. One of the things um, it starts out is talking about safety rules. And why did you feel this was an important part to put into the chapter? Yeah, well, so, you know, uh, the game came out, the, the game itself came out in 2017. And I know that back, even though that's only four years ago, five years ago, there was there was movements in the RPG world to talk more about safety rules, especially because more and more gamers were starting to shift to online play and they were encountering the situation where they were joining games where they didn't know the game master. They didn't know the other players. There was no idea of expectation and certain game masters and players were dropping in very uh, adult mature situations and there was no preparation or no expectation of that. And so some people were like really surprised and hurt or uh, I hate to say triggered because it's just, a, it's such a loaded word, but like things happen at the game table that you weren't expecting and that pulls you out of the moment and gives you a less than positive experience with the game, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it was really important, of course, Star Trek being, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, all that. We wanted to make sure that we hit it right up front saying, look, it's really important that everybody that is at that game table are on the same page as far as like safety, consent, what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? What do you not want to explore in an RPG experience? What do you, what are you comfortable with, et cetera? And so we really drove home the idea of like, you know, please, if your game master doesn't suggest it, 
you should suggest it as a player, take some ownership and say, look, we need a session zero to set those, those ground rules before we jump into this. Thank you. It's not just the game master's uh, job to make it a great game. It's the player's right. job too to create a safe space. I mean, really why anyone want to get together and, 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 not have fun for everybody boggles my mind. It's always been concerned about is every you know checking in with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to say that even though it's a game, yeah, there's a little seriousness in here so that you know coming in, hey, there's a little responsibility for everybody. Great chapter, I thought was really good. Um, and then it, we move into uh, character creation together. Why is it important, do you think, for everyone to create their characters at the same time, at least during a session zero generally? Well, this is, uh, and, you know, with, with uh, online gaming becoming what it is, uh, this is a little bit of, this has gotten a little squishier, but like mm-hmm. in my, in my worldview of gaming, <laughs> right. In my, 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 my thought process is I've always had much better games, much better campaigns, much better experiences when all the players are together at the same time, creating the characters and able to kind of like kibitz back and forth over snacks and drinks and just like chatting at the same table and say, hey, you know, you're you're on step three of the life path now. Oh, this is, we're all at the academy. We're doing our academy thing. We may be different ages, but we're all at the academy. And like, oh, I did this thing and this experience happened. Oh, but it, it happened to you too. So there's a connective point where we've got some backstory now between our characters. And then when we start the actual game, we, we got this that connection and we can go, you know, talk over email or talk over a chat room or something and like build that relationship up a little bit. And then that way, when you come to the first session, you've already got, you're already running with, with some backstory and some, some depth to your characters and connection points between characters. Cause then, you know, your characters aren't, don't operate in a void, right? There's, right. they're connected. So I love playing, I love developing characters together because you get inspired by seeing what the other people are doing. And you also start buying into them, right? Because if, you, cool. if you're like, if someone's having some really cool experiences with their with their life path generation, like as a player, I'm like, oh, I want to I want to learn more about what happens to that character, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not just invested in myself; I'm invested in you, and and then, and then you start building this whole kind of like crew cohesion kind of thing, uh, which which just makes the game that much more interesting. Now, of course, I'm talking about you know season long campaigns or longer campaigns. This wouldn't work so well for a one shot because Correct. there's just not enough time to really get into it, but. I think yeah. that, that's the intent here is uh, is to build it together. Good. Yeah. And again, a lot of this was spoken about during our session zero live uh, yeah. campaign, uh, live session zero that we ran, um, which will be again posted up on continuing uh, missions for everyone to watch. So let's jump yeah. into playing the game. So, so that had a lot to do with developing and setting up a code of conduct and making sure everyone's comfortable and getting to know all your fellow players. But now chapter 4.2 talks about playing the game and some of the best practices. And I'll tell you right now, Jim, when I wrote this, I wrote it thinking about all the horrible experiences I had as a game master with players. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, let me start with the problem and let me start writing solutions. And happy to say 90% of the time, I, I'm a very direct person. I don't end the, I don't go to sleep with people being angry. I just feel that way. It's like, I'd rather, I'd rather have us talk us out, talk this out and go to sleep feeling awkward than go to sleep feeling angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, one of the things that we talked about was how to, when, when writing through this, is some best practices for players to make sure that they're seeing the same thing that the game master is seeing in the universe, right? What was your reason for wanting to have this chapter in? 
the book also. Well, uh, you know, like you, um, I've had plenty of experience as a game master, and there's been plenty of times when I've been running games, and I would just ma- I would keep the, I would maintain this mental list of like I wish my players would do this, I wish my players would do that, and like sometimes I can talk to my players and say you know it would be really helpful for me as a game master if you took some ownership of this that and the other thing and and just like made it a more group experience as opposed to like me dictating to you what's happening and then you reacting to it like that's not fun. Uh, let's make it more of a like a cooperative kind of thing. And so I, I've always been thinking about like, how can I get my players to be more engaged and like take ownership of what they're doing and, and to be willing to add their own, uh, you know, like take the narrative and run with it as a player and feel like that they can actually do that and not just wait for me as a game master to kind of like dictate what's happening, right? Yes. Um, so, and, and I think Star Trek Adventures does give players a lot of agency in terms of spending momentum and being able to manipulate the scenes and being able to kind of like not overstep the game master, but kind of like, you know, do things that maybe the game master is not expecting in terms of spending momentum and creating advantages and stuff. Right. Um, so well, one of the part, one of the things yeah. just to go in that rope, as we go through a quick review, we're not going to read the whole chapter, of course, but mm-hmm. a quick review of some of the tricks to be a great, tips and tricks to be a great player is asking why that's one of the sections and the reasons why to your point jim is many times you know or not many times i've experienced wherein the players get into a situation and something weird is happening in the game and they kind of stand around i feel like they're standing around in the game looking for the answer to pop out it's like if you just simply ask why is this happening Mm -hmm. then we could ask well how would you go about finding out why that might be happening and then, oh pull a tricorder out scan this knock on this wall walk through this door the most powerful question you can ask as a player is why why is this person angry why did that person just steal a shuttle what is the motivation because as a game master we design motivation into the stories there's a reason why everything is happening even if it's a supernova exploding well, why did it explode? Okay, well, mm-hmm. let's see what the ship can tell us. And so to me, that was my number one thing I wrote in here was figure out why and just push that through the whole game and you're going to have a really, really rich game. Why is someone angry yeah. at me? Why is the other player mad at me? <laughs> you know, yeah. All, yeah. all that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I appreciate that in addition to just, you know, asking why, I appreciated the two, the two additional sections that you put in here about just do it and exude confidence. Because like, if you watch the TV shows, if you watch Star Trek, like, you know, these characters aren't just sitting around waiting for something to happen, right? They they look at a problem, they ask why, and then they attack it. They they pull out the tricorder, they do the science thing, they do the engineering thing, whatever. And and they're confident, right? They're confident in their abilities, they're confident in their in their crewmates and in their ship and their technology. And so they are they they look they are faced with a problem and then they actively do something. They don't get into a lot of analysis paralysis. That I've seen so many player groups get caught up in, like, because there's just so many options. And then you can just hear the, the, you can hear the gears grinding as this game slows down to a crawl. And they're like, what do we do? Do we spend this point of momentum? Do we save it for later? What do we do? The game master's got 30 points of threat. We better save this momentum. What do we do? And it's just like an hour goes by and they're just like, oh, what do we do? Like, just do it. And just like, just pick something and run with it. <laughs> I have to say, I, 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 I make a, I had the opportunity to finally be a player once. Yeah. Uh, one of our fellow writers, Al Spader, invited me to his game. And I said I was going to be a just do it kind of captain. And, I, and it did 
it made some of the players uncomfortable because she was, I played a a female captain and, and she was just going for stuff because I knew in the end it was a roll of the dice. And, And in the end, it was successful and she came out looking super tough and confident. And she's a short, I play her as a five foot two captain from the Congo, you know, and, and, and she just gets it. And even though she's diminutive looking, people may, she's unassuming because she's quick deciding it made a fantastic campaign, super exciting moments, which again, just do it and exude confidence. Right. Um, I I will add to that though. Like I I know there's probably some players out there who are watching this and like, and they're like, they're, they're uncomfortable with yeah. that. And I think I think a very important component, and I don't remember if we specifically spoke to this, I think we did somewhere, but it's like, you know, just go for it. But in order to just go for it, you need to have that comfort level with your game master and your other players. Like it, this is a safe space. This is a safe yes. environment. You're not going to get hurt. The game master isn't out to screw you over or surprise you or, or like do the, do the gosh. It's like, if you do go for it, but your character, you know, quote unquote fails, or encounters a, a complication or something, you know, your your day is not going to be ruined because of this. You know, they're not going to get you. In, it's not going to be a total party kill or something after the fact. It'll just be more challenging, more interesting. So, like, you know, and that's why I think that's another component of the session zero. Going back a little bit, is to build that trust between the players and the game master and with each other, so that you do feel comfortable to take to, to maybe step outside yourself a little bit and take a chance and and, and just do something cool and unique. And then, yes. and then have that build that confidence up. Remember, it's a role playing game. So if in, in life I'm gregarious, I'm going to role play being shy. If in real life you have trouble making decisions, this is the perfect Petri dish for you to be decisive and quick and see how it turns out. And that's the beauty yeah. of role playing, right? Yeah. And, but, you know, I love what you just said, Michael. But also remember, also remember, it's a game. Right. You're here to have fun. You're here to play something fun with your friends. It's not work. It's not a job. It's not, uh, you know, it's not, you know, horrible, terrible things. It's, it's like it's a it's a role playing game. Right. So, so please remember to have fun. <laughs> yep. And let's talk about more more tips and tricks to make it fun and to realize that it's a game. So one of the things yeah. um, that you that sometimes game masters and players have trouble with is is cut scenes. I'm big about cutscenes in my game. And what this means is we see it in the TV show where you don't see every second of what happens on the ship. And that's a good thing. We wrote in here and I'll go through them really quickly. Mm-hmm. What is a logical endpoint for any scene? And so just to go through them clearly, and just so you know, this is also from c- cinematic stuff. I researched movies and TV shows. Like, how do you know when to cut a scene? And it's very similar. So if during the game, the characters are surprised by something unexpected, call a cutscene. And what that means is everyone says, okay, we're going to stop here. Let's discuss what happens after this. It's not shown in game, but where, what's the next logical step? Um, Maybe the situation has implied consequences. So for instance, um, example I put in here is a shuttle departs from the craft and it explodes. Cut scene. Cause everyone's gonna be like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe they were beamed off. Maybe they were, there was no one even on the shuttle, but either way, Create a cutscene just to get that shock factor out of the gaming group. The other ones were um, the battle seems to be leaning in favor of one side over another. There's no reason that you have to show exactly who the last person falling is. It could be told later in a cutscene back in the debriefing room, like that did not go well. We lost two of our, you know, these are things that could be talked through. And the last two things were a clue of things to come as discovered. So, for instance, 
you come across, you turn a corner and you see a civilization where you didn't expect one to be in a cave. Cut scene. All right, let's talk this out. What, what do we see? And then finally, someone enters or leaves the scene. So maybe two characters are arguing and one gets mad and storms out. You know, they usually they do the zoom in on Janeway's face looking perturbed. Cut mm-hmm. scene. So we put these in here. And the reason why is we want the game to keep moving along. Anytime I shock my players, they laugh, they're scared, they jump. I usually call a cutscene. If someone makes an amazing last line point, uh, they, they write some narration that's amazing. I'm like, cutscene, cutscene. I know you guys talked after this, but I want you to marinate. What, well, how did that conversation end? Because I yeah. want it to end on a tough line, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I, the, all, all great points. And I think, um, you know, the, the players that are not that familiar with Star Trek, this is an opportunity for you in your spare time. If you have the opportunity, watch some of the shows mm-hmm. and you'll start to get a feel for how, I mean, actually you can watch any television because every, te- every television show does it, right? Because yeah. there's not a single television show out there that has time for the, for the slow bits in between scenes, right? All that stuff gets cut to keep the thing moving. And so as you start, you know, building up your role-playing chops and as you start getting into this, you'll start getting a feel for how these scenes go and you'll start, you know, with your fellow players, you'll start working out that snappy dialogue and you'll know, you'll know whoever, whoever delivers that scene ender, you'll know, you'll get the feel of it and then you can cut, move on to the next scene. You know, you pick up from there, you're in engineering, you're doing a thing. Oh, we've got to do this. Cut scene. Now you're in, now the people in sick bay, they're doing their thing. Oh, we just got a complication. Well, that sucks. Cut scene. Now you're on the bridge and you can go snapping back and forth really quick from scene to scene to scene. And it'll feel like Star Trek, but it's just give it time to get there. But that's, that's kind of the intent here is that the, the Star Trek adventures game really is built around scene economy. Like a lot of the talents, a lot of the, the way momentum and thread is spent. It's really about a, a scene as a construct, as a storytelling construct. And uh, that, it's just an opportunity for you to play with that and, uh, and get into it. So keep, exactly. keep that in mind. Now, moving on to some of the other highlights we can blast through. You know, I, I got to say that this is one of my number one pieces of advice to players. And again, digest page 111, fail forward, learn how to fail forward. Mm. None of us watch TV shows and our favorite heroes and our favorite characters on TV to see them succeed in every single thing they do. I guarantee you that'd be the most boring show ever. And if you play where your character cannot successfully fail or de- or tries to avoid failure at all costs, you have a boring player character. I guarantee you this. And I've had players that bore me because they only want to succeed and they spend everything to succeed every single turn. They end up being the least liked characters in the gaming group every single mm-hmm. time. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. You want to do talk about supporting characters, Jim? Yeah, so I think one of the other interesting con- conceits built into specifically Star Trek Adventures is is the concept of being able to play a character that's not your main character, uh, depending on the circumstances in the game. So, like, of course, the idea is that, you know, you are on a starship with a crew of up to, you know, 400, 500, even 1,000 people on a galaxy-class ship, right? There's a lot of people on this ship with you and your character, with, well, with your character, not you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and, and so there may be circumstances in the game where your character might be on the ship doing a thing and there might be an away team or a landing party doing another thing. And as a player in other games, you might be really disappointed that you're not, you know, you've split the party, but you're not doing the cool stuff. You're on doing some other thing and you really want to be doing the cool stuff with everybody else, but you're just kind of like sitting at the table waiting for your turn to come up. 
there's an opportunity here where you can grab a, a, a supporting character. Maybe it's a junior officer in security, or maybe it's a junior engineer, or maybe it's, you know, a medical officer, whatever. Uh, you can just grab that, create that character, you know, on the fly with a few statistics and a value and a focus and just jump right into the scene. Now you're, now you're on the landing party as a junior officer doing stuff. And uh, it keeps you engaged in the game in a different way than just sitting back and waiting. And, and it gives you a chance to flesh out your crew. Cause it, cause like my players in, in my last uh, campaign, they, they took it upon themselves to start fleshing out some of the characters on their departments. And so when we got into a situation where they needed to play a supporting character, we'd pull up the roster and say, okay, who are you going to pick? And I'm like, Hey, we like that character from last session. We're going to use them again. And all of a sudden these supporting characters like, uh, like O'Brien suddenly take on a life of their own and they start developing these personalities and these histories and stuff. And, and that's just, that's how you do it is you start playing these uh, supporting characters. I'm going to remind people something that my players had to remind me of from the core rule book, which matches this, is that when you pull up a supporting character, you get to add a focus to them if they haven't maxed out their focuses. You can yeah. add a talent to them if they haven't maxed out their talent, mm -hmm. or you can even change their attributes or disciplines one time. So whenever right. you bring a supporting character in the team, in, in, into the show, I'll say, into the show, you get to flesh them out a little bit more. And then maybe years later, they end up like O'Brien, a main yeah. character. Um, mm -hmm. uh, this segues good into the next piece about appreciating your fellow players, because if you do take on a supporting role, you're not going to have a spotlight. You shouldn't. That's not how it happens generally on Star Trek. Um, and so you talked about people sitting around the table waiting their turn. If you are playing a supporting character or a main character who's not the life of the scene, there are still ways to be engaged by making the other characters look good. And there's a page full of tips here on how to really be a good player and making sure everyone gets a spotlight to shine. You may have an episode or a mission brief or a module where your character is in the main focus, but it doesn't mean they can't be an amazing support to the other players, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is this is just classic television plus Star Trek. Right. I mean, if you think about original series, well, not maybe not so much original series, because I was really kind of focused on Kirk, Spock and McCoy, yeah. but more like TNG DS9, where you've got a large cast of main characters who are all being paid very well to be on screen. Um, <laughs> you can't possibly give all seven of them something to do week after week. So what they, they had to do is they had to start breaking up. Here's the Picard episode. Here's the Riker episode. Here's the Geordi episode, et cetera, et cetera. And the actors knew that their turn was going to come just by the nature of the fact that they were doing a 26 episode season. There would be a couple of Geordi episodes. There would be a couple of Picard episodes. There would be a couple of ensemble episodes, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, Star Trek, you know, by its nature, like if you're the lone wolf kind of player and you want to be the focus of attention for the entire session, it'll be harder for you to get into Star Trek because there's another, there's a whole nother group of people at the table who want a moment to shine as well. So you need to be kind of like cooperative and be willing to, to, to step out of the spotlight and give somebody else an opportunity to shine and do their thing. And it's not so much niche protection that's important in other games, but it's like, if the, if the medical officer is on the away team, let them do the medical thing. Like that's their job. That's their specialty. Don't be the security officer going, Oh, I want to do this just because I'm, I need something to do. And I need to roll some dice. It's like, no, give, give them the moment, give them their moment to shine. You're going to get your moment to shine. You just, you know, trust that, trust that process and trust the GM and the players and everything. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And, that, just, and, and that was the point is, is, you know, it's like, in, I have to say it's in real life and it's ran in here. Anyone knows if they've heard the term active listening, mm -hmm. that if you want people to like you, let them talk about themselves. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and it's the same thing in, in RPG. If you want to be a popular, well-liked character, turn the spotlight on the other characters as much as you can, and mm-hmm. they're going to start turning the spotlight on you when it's time. And that right. was the psychology behind me writing this chapter. It's like, don't be all about yourself. <laughs> They'll be interested in you as much as you're interested in them. Yeah. Yeah. There's an, you know, I, I know we could go on about this and I'll be brief, mm-hmm. but uh, like, there's an element of empathy here, right? Like, like you're, you're in a group of, with your friends and, and your pe- people doing this collaborative storytelling thing together, yeah. like be willing to just stop and listen to somebody else and enjoy them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're watching a TV show, like maybe you care about maybe your favorite character's crusher and, and you're just, you're enraptured, right. <laughs> because you want to see what happens. And like, there's been plenty of instances in an RPG where like, I was there to, you know, play my character, but like I got caught up in somebody else's subplot and I was like, okay, I want to go to the next session because I know their subplot's going to come to a head in the next session and I want to see what happens. So, you know, I'm sitting there at the table. I don't care about what I'm doing with my character. I'm eating the popcorn. I'm watching them role playing with the game master or whatever, because I want to see how their scene plays out. And it's like, as a player, I'm like, I'm going to take a step back. I'm intentionally taking a step back because I'm enjoying you playing your character so much that's why I'm here tonight is I just want to be, I, well, I mean, I want to be entertained, but we are doing this together and I want to see what happens to your character. I, like I care so much about you and your character. I'm, I'm invested. So like, you know, be willing to invest in your, in your fellow players and their characters and what they're doing. And don't just be focused on like, what, what cool shit am I going to do this, this session? Right. right? Cause it's, yeah. it's not all about you. <laughs> you're a co yeah. You're a co-writer of an yeah. epic TV show that stars a lot of characters. And I'll, I'll tell people out there, you know, I, when players, if any players are looking at this and I like saying it just because I want people to sit there and say, is that me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're throwing a tantrum and when you're upset, everyone knows, and I don't care if it's online or in a virtual setting, everyone can tell when you're shutting down and this <laughs> chapter is going to help frame it like, okay, maybe I'm being a little selfish here. You know, maybe I want to be the star of every single show. Um, And again, you know, it's going to help you avoid those, those uh, pitfalls that could, that could ruin a game. And and I do encourage though, if, if a player is not having fun for a particular reason to discuss it with the play, with the game master to find out how to maximize that. Cause every game is not going to be perfect. Um, but this is definitely some tips that I've never seen in writing before Jim, before this book, I had never seen um, these kind of tips laid out in such a fashion. Yeah. I, I want to say that they were in, in a, in a, in another book somewhere. I just don't remember because there's so many books out there, but uh, yeah. um I was I was just so proud of you all for pulling this together and for making it really clear. And like I'm seeing it in the comments we're getting about the about the book is that like some of this stuff is just like good gaming advice in general. Like you could pull this chapter out and dump it into any other game out there. And it's just like this is just good player psychology, kind of like what you should be focused on, not not just for Star Trek, but just in general. Yep. And I, I think we've kind of bled into the next chapter a little bit because it's uh, we did <laughs> it's some, some of the topics are very very relevant and related but you know in terms of like being a good team player being willing mm-hmm. to share the spotlight uh oh yeah one thing we didn't really touch on was uh, avoid the whole metagaming concept right yeah like, don't, don't focus on the mechanics so much like be willing to just let the drama take over right and any, that's any thoughts on that yeah well i think avoiding metagaming is the first thing i teach all my players if they're the first time <laughs> rpg is like okay do you know how to differentiate between what you know and what your character knows, because that's just like an actor, you know, there's there could be an actor who's great at carpentry, but they're hired to play somebody who's not. So they don't start acting like they know carpentry. So there's no difference um, when playing RPG. And then there's an inset box 
<laughs> which I wrote. I don't know if anyone will catch the Easter egg. It was written by Lieutenant Menden. <laughs> and if anyone saw Next Generation, he's one of my favorite characters. He's a Benzite. Mm -hmm. Their culture is based on bragging and being stuck up. And I wrote an inset box to talk about, okay, he finally learned that humility was actually on an integrated, diverse starship. Humility was something that the academy didn't teach, but he had to learn if he was ever going to make any progress. And I put that there as an example for players too. If you think you're 100% right, you're probably wrong. And that's just in business or whatever, marriage, whatever it applies, is that humility is the first emotion that should be forward. So if all of a sudden there's some abrasiveness happening in the group, if everyone assumed they were wrong, you're probably going to get to uh piece faster than if everyone assumes they're right and starts arguing among the group. So that's why I added that in there. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, cool. Uh, is there anything else there? looking at this? Is all just generally good yeah. advice. Be good. Be a good leader. Listen, ask for everybody's opinion. Page 122 um, is, is something that I think is good to highlight is giving the game master threat. Some people are scared yeah. to give the game master threat. So I'll highlight, I'll highlight that section is worth a read. Um, you already talked about analysis paralysis. So, so that's covered in here. I mean, it really all the tropes of being a player, being a leader, people want to follow, not micromanaging other people's play. Like don't shout out ideas to other people, let them play their character. People process information at different speed. So don't think that you have to do everyone's solution, or if they give a solution you don't like, don't sit there and give a big loud sigh. Like, <gasps> It's obvious what you're doing, passive aggressive, sir. You know, so so all these behaviors, which I never <laughs> thought about before, when you said that we need to write a chapter about this, I literally went back in my mind and thought about everything that ever annoyed me as a game master. Um, and that was thrown into. <laughs> what was your favorite part of this before we wrap up? Because again, there's just so many, this is one of the longest chapters and there's just so many details in it. What was your, uh, what, what's your favorite part of the chapter? Uh, you, you know, I mean, just in general, all the good tips and advice that we're giving players to think about, and it's not so much that it's work, but it's like, take some responsibility for your, your, your component of the game and, and be willing to, you know, help out the game master and help out your fellow players. I think one of the important things that we kind of like folded into here, and I've seen this question come up a lot online is, um, you know, how to handle the command hierarchy and command structure where you, you might have a player who's the captain or you might have a player who's the first officer mm -hmm. and they're in a position where they can theoretically dictate orders to other players and that could create an uncomfortable power dynamic at the game table where you've got one person ordering somebody else about and it's like well you know that, that that's where the whole like um uh you know metagaming dynamic of uh, socialization and figuring out the trust among the players and the groups like mm -hmm. you're not you're not being a dictator and tell, telling them what to do you're you're doing the picard and the kirk thing where you're soliciting opinions you're getting input and then you're trying to make the best choice that's going to be the best for the for the collective right so we yeah. talk about that to some extent where like if you're a if you're the if you're the type of player who's really into a power trip, this may not be the game for you because like no one wants nobody wants a dictator at the table, whether you're a player or a game master, right? Yeah, uh, which played off of why we wrote the part on understanding the difference between disagreement and insubordination, also because you could have a power tripping captain who wants to throw everyone in the brig. But there's actually, you know, I wanted to write in here, well, according to Starfleet, insubordination is a pretty big deal. And you better have a lot of proof. That's like going to court if you're going to claim someone's insubordinate, which mm -hmm. we put on one page uh, 126 there. 
Um, some it's just interesting the behavior you pick up watching Star Trek. My last two favorite parts of this chapter were on page 130, character prompts. So if you don't know naturally how to ask open-ended questions to draw out other player characters and to enrich the game, I actually put, I mean, there must be 25 plus questions there to help augment other people's backstory. So if you're climbing through a Jeffrey's tomb or walk tube or walking on an away team or stuck in a shuttle with somebody for a while and you don't know exactly what to make of the scene, you could ask questions like, hey, What's the funniest thing you've ever heard in your life? Or what are your hobbies? <laughs> things to enrich a conversation. So if things are getting dry, go to page 130, look at these character prompts and start some conversations. It's amazing how characters will develop from that. And the last piece um, that I really liked in this chapter was talking about yes and in action on page 134. So again, having a yes and attitude toward the game as a player. So you're not questioning or being skeptical to bring the game to a standstill, but you're really playing in the realm of imagination and possibility. Yeah. Yep. What about you? Any final things before we move on? This is such a rich chapter. I can't, I mean, it's just so much to. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're, I think we're kind of like flowing into, into the last part of the chapter here and that's supporting the game master, right? Like, you know, uh, players, you know, you're not necessarily responsible for supporting the game master, but you know, anything you can do to make the game master's job a little easier you're, you know, the, the players who, 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 you know, show up in the mood, ready to play, ready to have a good time, that it's just so much easier to get into it than if you're like, oh, you had a crappy day, you're just there because you're marking the time or like you're, you feel obligated to be there. It's like that. No one wants that really. Right. Like, like find, find the enthusiasm within yourself to show up and be like, okay, the game masters put their effort in. The other players have put their effort in. We're all here. Let's, let's do this. Let's go have a good time. Yeah, sure. You might have an off night. And I've had plenty of instances where like the entire group was having an off night. Mm -hmm. Right. And we, yeah. and so we would just say like, you know what, screw it. Let's just, <laughs> let's just chit chat for 45 minutes and then call it a night. Right. And we'll just, we'll call off the session. That's fine. That yeah. happens. But like, if you know, you're going to play, then like get into it, be ready, be, be eager and, and have fun. And so we, we throw some thoughts in there about the, like, just, you know, being a good player, being, being an active and engaged part of the community. Right. Basically. Yeah. Well, I got to say, you know, chapter four to me is is a it's a long chapter. It has yeah. some tidbits, maybe, you know, that have been spread out all over the place, over the Internet and over yeah. people talking over years. But when it comes to maximizing the player experience and being the best player, you could be matched with a great game master. Um, I mean, this felt more like a psychology chapter than it did <laughs> RPG, but um, I enjoy reading it over and over again yeah. um, and sharing it with my players too. All right. As is our tradition, Jim, we want to give a shout out to the brick and mortars out there, the people who are going in there and playing it. I uh, Last time we, we had something all the way from Japan, right? Which I thought was impressive. So I'm going to take it a little bit closer to home, but still far away. And this is go from uh, one of our uh uh, people who watch our show is Jan Hendrik Kalush. I hope I, I pronounced that right. And she is shouting out Atlantis Spiel in Hamburg, Germany. So oh, how cool is that? A brick and mortar all the way from Hamburg, Germany. I love Anybody it. you want to shout out, Jim? Uh, yeah, my, my friend, uh, from my friend, Tommy, he runs two game stores. One is in Gainesville, Virginia. The other one's in, uh, somewhere in Delaware. And, uh, uh, just like uh, it's comics and gaming, Gainesville comics and gaming, Delaware, check them out. Great guy. A lot of fun to, to hang out with. I've known him for a long time. Uh, so comics and gaming, thank you for, uh, you know, supporting the gaming, uh, communities. 
Awesome. All right. What an amazing episode of Continuing Conversations, the Player's Guide. As I go through this again, Jim, I get excited every time over everything that's in it. And next time, we're really going to blast off into all the additional depth into character rules that was written into Chapter 5 of the Player's Guide. So we'll see you next time. All right, man. Be safe, be well, live long and prosper.